Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her, and so in the same way all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <coughs> Excuse me. When we were in Scotland, as we headed out of Edinburgh on the train to Oban, where we would pick up the ferry to Iona, Lon and I made a pact with each other that we would not listen to or read the news and that we would certainly not talk about the election. It proved to be a very difficult topic to avoid. On the train, we met a retired Scottish man who travels fairly frequently to North Carolina. He wanted to engage us in conversation about the candidates as we were traveling along the beautiful shores of Loch Lomond. And then some people looked at us with a kind of pity when they learned that we were American. Whatever side of the political spectrum you find yourself on, it's been a tough season and a time that has divided friends and families and caused extreme anger, even hatred, to dominate far too much of our national conversation. Even in faraway places, it has been almost impossible to stay away from the negativity of this election. Lon forwarded an article to me in the middle of the week written by conservative commentator David Brooks. You may know him. The article is called Read Boober, Not the Polls. I've encountered Martin Buber's work before. He writes of the relationship that humans seek with each other and that all humans seek with the divine and that the divine has with human beings. He calls it 
an I-thou relationship. Now, in English, we use the formal word you to talk to other people, whoever they may be. The equivalent of you in Spanish would be usted, or in French, it would be vous. They use a formal term. They use the same for the plural, but they also use a formal term um, when they're talking in public or to someone they don't know very well. You well, used to be the formal English term. Thou used to be the familiar term, the term that parent would use to child, the term of friend to friend, the term that shows that we really know someone, that recognizes a close and a caring relationship between people. Brooks wants the American people to be able to regard each other, no matter what their politics may be, as deeply human, as feeling, caring individuals who love their families, who want to create a good and just place for their children and grandchildren to grow up in. Buba, writes Brooks, argues that every child, every person, is seeking the fulfillment of the soul through a close and loving relationship with the divine, and in loving other people and caring for other people, we can get some small sense of this divine love. In contrast with this close I-thou relationship is the I-it relationship, where the other is viewed in cold and unfeeling terms. A doctor who refers to a patient as the appendectomy in room 21 would exhibit such an approach to human relationships. A doctor who knows his patient's first name is Ruby and who holds her hand as he speaks is using an I-thou relationship. The politician who sees people only as poll numbers is using an I-it approach. The politician who takes individuals and their lives into account is using an I-thou approach. The Sadducees in today's scripture show little sign that they care about an I-thou relationship. The woman in their story is a chattel to be passed from brother to brother in the hopes of producing a child and a male child, we must assume. They're not asking a question about real human beings who think and feel, who grieve when a husband and a brother dies. This is a question that resembles a practical math problem with a complex solution that requires a formula to resolve. Or, as we saw it in the children's worship, it's, it's a riddle they're offering to him. Their concern is not to really learn from Jesus, but to confuse and confound him in matters of Jewish doctrine. They refer to the law of Moses. Now, the Sadducees were a somewhat elite group of people who were generally wealthy and close to the priests 
And as Luke makes clear, they do not believe in the resurrection. So this question is really an irrelevant one to them. What they're really asking is, okay, so Jesus, you say that there is mercy and forgiveness and hope after this life on earth is over. So tell us what it's like. Prove it to us. Moses gave us these very clear instructions, and so how is that going to work if there's this thing called a resurrection? And Jesus quotes Moses right back at them. The Sadducees cannot better Jesus in knowledge of the law. He tells them that when Moses met God in the burning bush, Moses referred to God as the God of the ancestors, the God of those who are alive, not dead. And if Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who have died, are still alive in the eyes of God, then to be sure, there is resurrection after death. But Jesus' main point, his main focus, is not on proving a point. Jesus tells the Sadducees that they are asking the wrong question entirely. They are wasting energy on small, insignificant points of theology instead of concerning themselves with life, life with a capital L. They are asking the kinds of questions that engage some theologians uselessly in medieval times such as how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. Jesus turns the conversation to matters of importance to this life and the life in the kingdom of God. He says that God is the God of the living, not of the dead. In Jesus, we have eternal life. So why trouble your minds with smallness and with irrelevant details? Celebrate life while you have it here on earth. And more than that, look forward to the day when the resurrection brings new life to all who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead. John Carroll writes that the Sadducees worry about children as some kind of assurance for the future. But Jesus stresses that we are all children of God. We are so much more than the continuation of a name or a heritage. Each person is the embodiment of life itself. Each precious child, each individual one of us is so distinctly different from the other. Each one of us is seen by God and known by God and loved by God. Whether a life is only minutes long or lasts a hundred years or more, God values that life and wants each child of God to live fully in hope and in grace. I believe that this election is about how each child of God will be treated. I believe, along with Jim Wallace of the Sojourner's Journal, that there are issues 
that have surfaced during this election that speak to issues raised in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived and taught among the poor, the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the outcast. He made it very clear that the way we treat those who are on the edges of society is the way we treat Jesus. Racism has become an issue in this election, and many brave and thoughtful politicians on both sides of the political divide have spoken up against racist talk. The dignity and the treatment of women have also dominated the conversation, and again, leaders on both sides have spoken to that issue. Make no mistake that these are gospel issues that every human being should be treated with respect and caring. The Black Lives Matter movement has brought to our attention the experience of African-American people in our nation. For many, it's a difficult experience with challenges that many of us as white people do not even have to think about. I wonder what the experience of people of color, some people of color might be in this time, in this election season. I wonder if there is fear in some places, fear of expressing a viewpoint that might go against the mainstream or majority view. And what about the immigrants? Is there concern among immigrants, documented or otherwise, as this election grows closer? Is there mistrust? How many fear that they will be separated from their loved ones? How many are concerned that they might become the target of extreme violence in the days to come? The Sadducees want to separate and to divide. Their question to Jesus implied that one brother would win out over the rest, that one of them would get to keep the poor wife. Incidentally, my thought is that she's probably ready for a break from marriage by the time she finally died. The Sadducees were interested in power structures and dominance. Jesus would have nothing to do with such an argument. Jesus speaks of life, of abundant beautiful, blessed life as a valued and beloved child of God. Jesus speaks not of death, but of angels and of a life where the rules and conventions of this life do not even have a part to play. So I urge you to ask yourself the right questions as you head to the polls this week. This election day, I urge you to vote with the gospel message in your mind and in your heart. Do everything you can to ensure that all of God's children, all of them, the poor, the immigrant, the person of color, the child with a disability, the very old and the very young, that each one can experience life in abundance. Meanwhile, 
let's turn off the TV and the radio and the polls. And let's turn to our neighbors, to the humanity, the thou in our neighbor, and ask how they're doing at this time. Let's turn to those neighbors we might be accustomed to passing by, the migrant family, the young person of color, the neighbor from the other side of town, to see just how they're doing. Whatever the outcome of this election, there will be many opportunities for healing in the coming months. It is essential that we all pray for peace and peacefulness, that we pray for tolerance and acceptance. This is a good and a strong community. This is a good and a strong country. Many say that this is the most divisive election ever. Let us pray that they will be proven wrong and that love and caring and peace will overcome all divides. Jesus showed us that in a time of terrible conflict, discord, divisiveness, a glorious resurrection of hope could occur. That message of hope means abundant life for every single child of God. Amen. Let us stand now and affirm our belief by saying together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 